I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You've been across the Atlantic and back since I last heard your voice. I did something weird upon leaving the United States of America. Basically, I went from um, like a block party. I'm like mixing and mingling. It's like kind of horrible, but it's kind of fine. So then I have to say my goodbyes to my family from the block party. Like no one's crying, but it is like a big goodbye. You know, I live in a different country. And then my father is waiting to take me to the airport. As I'm getting into the car, I realized I forgot my sunglasses. I now have to backtrack. I'm so okay, sorry. Okay, so I'm so uncomfortable. I, I, I would have left my sunglasses behind in that right. situation to avoid that. So I go, I find them, and then I'm like somehow slightly high off the rush of the shame that I'd forgotten something, <laughs> but then that I did find it. Do you know what I did as I passed by my brother for the second time instead of saying another goodbye? I pinched his bottom. I pinched my brother's bottom. I think people enjoy hearing about your relationship with your brother on this podcast because it's it's like the Ross and Rachel. It's the will they won't <laughs> will, will we or won't we? I think he was like, why did my 44-year-old sister just pinch my butt? Is that the first time you've done it in adulthood? Yeah, I have no memory of touching his butt at any other point in my life. Keeping it fresh. Now, we should tell him about our guest one of the things we have heard most consistently from you in the email since we started the podcast is you've got to watch Reservation Dogs. And its creator is Sterling Harjo. You slid into his DMs. I think I got him at the right time. I think he took pity on a sweet gal like me. Then he set me up with like his PA. I have sometimes found that the person themselves is just so, so charming. But the PA is sometimes not as charming. Like they're doing you a favor. By letting you speak to this person. That that wasn't the case with Sterling. No, like his team. So, you know, you can just tell in an email sometimes like that someone's sweetness. He had like the sweetest team of anyone we've dealt with. If you were in that position, if, if you were a showrunner or a star, mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to be charming, but then make sure that PA was a buffer? <laughs> Say, look, I want to look like the most charming person in the world. So I want you to be asshole for me. You know, I don't want to do this podcast. <laughs> But I want to say, I would love nothing more. You guys are great. Oh, Such a regretful no. Um, <laughs> it's such a polite decline. Uh, fuck you. Uh, fuck you, a polite decline. Fuck you. So my quick watch this week, I did a film that Netflix was really pushing on me. You're so not invited to my bat mitzvah. It was like an adaptation of a teen book by a Fiona Rosenblum. 
So Adam Sandler buys the rights to it, and he cast his one of his daughters in the lead, and then his other daughter in like a secondary character, and his wife as a secondary character as well. Do you think they auditioned in disguise? <laughs> And then once they got the part, it was like, Dad! It's me! (laughs) Presumably, Netflix had him on some kind of a talent deal. Like, we like working with Adam Sandler and we're going to commit to this many projects. But he would still have to go in and pitch the project. And then, presumably, it gets to a stage where they say, so who are you seeing for the lead (laughs) then? How at that point you say, actually, do you know who'd be great for this is is my daughter. You know what? You know what I genuinely think? And again, I think he seems like a nice person. So I do feel a little shitty, you know, but like, you know how it came out like when Kanye West was like, he just like watched porn in meetings. Yes. You, You get these windows into how like the level of enabling that happens in celebrity circles. And so I just think that he can do that. You know, it's just not a point of embarrassment for him. But I just would like him and Judd Apatow, like with getting their daughters out there. Seinfeld's doing some of it too. What is Seinfeld's daughter in that new film? Seinfeld's daughter has a writing credit on a recent Amy Schumer show. Well, maybe- and Jess Seinfeld, the wife is like, on Instagram was like, big proud mama moment. Cannot believe that Sa- Sasha Seinfeld has her first writing credit. I was like, I can believe it. On one of our friends' shows. On one of our friends' shows. But the... The flip side is that those kids have grown up in a house steeped in comedy and and, and maybe they're funny or interested in funny because that's what they've grown up around. But I think if if that was your kid, you'd make them go the long way around, right? I think parents, there's some weird thing that happens to people. I'm not saying that there aren't exceptions to this. Like Alexander Skarsgård is a Nepo baby. But do we give a shit? No. But I care when something seems mediocre. This girl was good. She was good. But it wasn't amazing. And it just grosses me out. Fucking disgusting to me. Anyway. And is this film for somebody who isn't steeped in the world of bar and bat mitzvahs? I've never been to one. I mean, first of all, the way they're presenting bat and bar mitzvahs. And as addressed, I'm from a wealthy town. So I went to some stuff, but nothing like this. Am I right in thinking that your mum enjoys playing as some Adam Sandler song around Christmas time, which is, of course, also Hanukkah? At a harmonica, we all celebrate Hanukkah. That's the Adam Sandler stuff I've never liked. I think of your mum as having good taste, except for novelty songs that involve a dreidel. Oh, my God. <laughs> or you know what she also, like, my pa- their house looks nice, and it's like a verdant time of year, and she puts up wind socks. She has a theme, a monthly themed wind sock that she always puts on her front porch. <laughs> <laughs> With with these wind socks, is she especially interested in whether there's a storm blowing in? No, it's just it's one of her little rituals that she does. But it looks it looks like hanging garbage. Anyway, listen, girl, where's your man? He's not bugging you tonight. You've got a cold glass of white wine. The kids are upstairs and you think just something for me tonight, but nothing heavy, just something silly and fun meant for a child. <laughs> Yeah, I I think give it a watch. Like, I almost cried at the end, but I didn't. Okay, my quick watch this week is For All Mankind on Apple TV+. This has been going since 2019, and there are three seasons of it, and there's a fourth one on the way. And then a friend of mine whose taste I trust implicitly, he sent me a text saying, we are obsessed 
with this show. So I thought I'll give it a go. And and here's the uh, inciting incident. Here are the, the first few minutes okay. of episode one. Okay. It's 1969. We see households, bars, workplaces across America glued to their television sets. It's the moon landing. That is some grainy shit. It's that moment, as we know it, until... The module lands on the lunar surface and out comes the astronaut who isn't an astronaut. He's a cosmonaut and he says those first words in Russian. And it's an alternate history oh. in which Russia, the Soviet Union, gets to the moon first. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Yeah. I think it's a really good premise. And, and then it's how that plays out over the decades. Because, of course, the, the space race was so symbolic in the Cold War, and what that then does to America's sense of itself. But also, the space race doesn't end at that point, mm-hmm. and it carries on playing out over the decades. Oh, my God. This sounds amazing. How many episodes did you watch? I watched two. And? It's Mad Men yeah. meets Battlestar Galactica, but not the one from the 80s, the, the, the cool one that was like the West Wing in space. <laughs> That's interesting. That doesn't sell me on it harder. What I don't know if I love a what if. Like, what if the Russians had landed on the moon first? Yeah, but they didn't. So you know what? I'll take a what if more than I'll take like a this happened. Sometimes, like, remember that um, that Chernobyl? Oh, but but that I, was one of the best things I've I ever know. Seen. It was unbelievable, but it was. Oh, I mean, that was so painful. I I took our son to a bookshop the other day to pick out a new book to have as his bedtime story that I read to him every night. He picked a book about a dog who is left behind when the humans have to evacuate the Chernobyl exclusion zone and fends for itself in the wild. Chapter one, a girl gets a puppy. Oh, Jesus Chapter Christ. two, the puppy is left behind. Oh, my God. Hey, you know you've heard that word Chernobyl a lot. <laughs> Think about what really happened. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, One thing I did enjoy about it, and and this sounds terrible, but it really wasn't, was they they very cleverly have some characters built from news footage. So Richard Nixon, for example, Uh is a character in it. Let me give you three people. Richard Nixon... Ed Sullivan, Herman Munster. Oh, my gosh. That is a gang that belongs together. That gang. Those are some very rectangular heads. <laughs> Do you think it's weird that th- those craniums are all from a, a fairly similar is, point yes. in history? And no one looks like that yes. now. Yes. I mean, Ed Sullivan's head was so insane. Maybe that'd be a good thing to get people to email in with. Go on. Gangs of people who belong together. Oh, I love gangs of people who belong <laughs> together. Okay, so Megan Trainer, mm-hmm. because I'm all about dabbies, about dabbies, not travel. Amy Schumer and my sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> so you think of just three people who just go together. They should form a band. Yeah. So did you like to watch it? Nah, I know you. You're not going back. Listen, you think you know me. Mm-hmm. And you do, largely. But because the idea is so good, and because the good reviews are so glowing, I know that it's on me. To push through. Okay. So I, I'm definitely going back to this. Let us know what you think. Is my faith in my friend's TV taste misplaced? Have you watched For All Mankind? If so, should I stick with it? Did you see Maud Apatow in Cabaret in the West End? Which 
real, historical or fictional TV characters belong in a gang together. Yeah, or like, it would be fun if people could tell us what other people belong in a band with them is something you could do. Like, to contextualize yourself for us, you could tell us who belongs in the band with you. Uh, who would you put in a band with you? <sighs> Who's that? Who's that lady comedian? You don't look like Kathy Griffin. But Ka- So like Kathy Griffin and me and Sarah Paulson. <laughs> That's the, Those are the two celebrities I get told I look like, and one I find flattering and one less so. If anybody's ever seen footage of the rehearsals for the Freddie Mercury oh. tribute concert, Annie Lennox, both how she looks and her mannerisms we- are exactly like yours, but only in that one bit of yes. rehearsal footage. Never again in no. any Eurythmics. We videos. know that I don't look like Annie Lennox. Except. But there is this one shot of her she's she's singing under singing pressure with david bowie under pressure in profile and jeff once was like wait this is the most insane thing i've ever seen and then it looks exactly like me it's really strange and miss piggy as well we put in a band with you oh yeah so it's me it's basically me kathy griffin and miss piggy that's right i know it's, <laughs> it's right what about you um harry knowles from ain't it cool news do you remember that guy no but keep going a garden gnome oh you know who i think you could be in a band with Sing, yeah, yeah, ding dong. <laughs> the 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 guy who shouts sing yeah yeah ding yeah, dong. Yeah, sing yeah yeah ding okay, dong. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So who do you like? We want to be able to know a little more about you. Who do you belong in a band with? And of course, your TV recommendations, which, as you can hear, we are pursuing to the extent that our guest this week coming up later, you put it down, we picked it up. Creator of Reservation Dogs, Sterling Harjo. Speaking of guests, the extended cut of the Jesse Armstrong interview is now available to our Patreon supporters. I just want to hold my hands up and say there's a little bit of delay with stuff getting up on Patreon at the moment because my laptop has died. Yes. I mean, if we're going to just have like a little pocket of safe space to say like boring admin shit, if you are either a five pound or... Or a £10 a month Patreon supporter. We do Fridays with Firecrotch. You should be getting your voice notes. Some people have not written me back with their with their phone numbers. I think that they didn't join the upper echelons of the Patreon ring because they wanted a voice note from me. They don't actually want to give me their phone number. That's fine. But um, if you sent me your phone number and you are not getting voice notes from me, please, please, please message me on Patreon and be like, hey, I signed up, but I'm not getting my voice notes. And we'll, we'll get your sweet sauce in there right away. And I should have my laptop back within the next couple of days. The, the people who work in the Mac store... What do you think they do before they work in the Apple store? IT support somewhere? But they're not like those people. This is my point. Think about if you go into a local computer shop, what the guy working there is like and what his personality is like. Uh Uh-huh. And then think about what the personality of the people who work in the Apple shop is like. Hmm. They are the embodiment of the people you used to see dancing in Apple adverts 15 years ago. See, the, the dark truth about our marriage is that, like, they're just things that I do and just things that you do. And I would never take an item into an Apple store. Um, So to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash or stroke. They like to watch. Get in there. This is the this is the time. And to send us an email for all that stuff we're talking about before and your TV recommendations. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And please keep emailing us just to be sweet to me. Do you know what Sarah loves? Dopamine. Do you know how she gets it? Seeing emails in that inbox. And especially Patreon supporters. (laughs) 
Our Big Watch this week was inspired by that conversation with Jesse Armstrong in Edinburgh. We do what we're told. So if Jesse Armstrong is going to sit and say, you know what has captured me more than anything else? Now, I was sure that we were up to date on couples therapy. But you know why we're not? The, the new, ser- the most recent series of couples therapy dropped around the same time as Succession was reaching its zenith. Aha, okay. So the idea is there are, I think, four separate couples per series, and you see their interactions with their therapist, whose name is something like Ornagralnik. And what's amazing about it is that she's a really good therapist. And you realize that anytime you've ever seen a therapist on TV, they're bad. They're chasing the razzle-dazzle. And, and she is the most unlikely therapist yes. to see on TV. In some ways, she she's the archetype of what you want a therapist to be. Well, she's not the archetype. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, so part of the structure of the show is you will see her having conversations with her therapy mentor. She has a mentor. She, she is the archetype of the therapist. In that, you just know that she owns multiple shawls. She likes ethnic jewellery. What do you think it is about a certain type of therapist that is, is drawn to the shawl and the ethnic jewellery? Does it say worldly? But 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 this owner is, I think, the therapist you'd want to see. This is what is so interesting, is she seems really, really good at her job. And then this point that Jesse was making is that, like, there's this very weird ethical question at the heart of it because these clients who are with her are making a really good choice by doing couples therapy. But to make the choice to be on television can't possibly be good for the people who are appearing on it. So how do you think it was sold to her? Because she seems like a serious person. Do you think it was, look, this we, we are going to take therapy seriously and we are going to open that world up for people who've never been in a therapist. Yes, office. I'll tell you exactly how you... First of all, people just do shit because it means it's going to make them rich and famous. But she doesn't seem like that person. Everyone is that person. Um, So Orna doesn't mind a camera on her. I think... You know what I genuinely think it is? I think that like... Therapists in New York are unbelievably expensive. And so the pitch to her or the way she justifies it is like, I am part of this world that that so many people can't afford. And genuinely by showing what the process is and by showing how people can be encouraged to talk to each other and by showing how it really isn't about right and wrong, let's hear each other. I am opening this process up for people and there is merit in that. Do you think that despite the fact that in any major city you're going to have very highly qualified therapists, we all think of New York as the therapy capital of the world because of Woody Allen? Oh, that's so... And and is that... And he's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Look where it got him. Who Do you have a favourite couple so far? Yeah, we should say each season tends to focus on three, four different couples perhaps and you really get to know them and I think think your favourites can change as their stories start to emerge and as you start to understand them. And I've definitely Mm. had it in the past where I've started the season detesting somebody and then ended up feeling a lot of empathy for them. So um, this season, it's a, a couple whose open relationship seems to have gone awry. What? I've never heard of such a thing. Open relationships are more difficult than they initially appear. Go on. 
Can I just say a quote? The In the open relationship, their names are, it's a couple named Will and Ping. And she says at one point about him, she goes, he was supposed to be my playmate. And I was like, you are stupid. You are stupid, honey. You're marrying a guy. And you think that as your marriage continues, he's going to feel like a sexual playmate. I don't feel bad for you. Ping so far is my least favorite. But what I have to acknowledge is that when they do all the little cutaways of her, just like live in her life or when they're in the waiting room, I think she seems lovely. Because so far he seems very likable and she seems very angry. I wonder if our loyalty is going to change. I wonder if it's a bit like me and you. Well, I was thinking about this a little he, bit. He, he likes playing the sweet card <laughs> while she gets the rage out of her system and everyone thinks, what a nice man. And then, because she, she's used the word whiny a couple of times. Well, very, it, it, very early on, he gets choked up in a way that seems incredibly authentic and she's fucking disgusting disgusted and enraged by it and i was watching her being like you're a monster but then i'm like i feel like i don't feel disgusted with you when you cry but i feel nothing exhausted by it i mean i might be a little exhausted by it but it's more like i feel nothing because it just comes out of you like very very easily but she's fucking angry with this guy for crying and i can't see where it goes but because they're an open relationship um one of her issues seems to be that he gives a better version of himself to some of the people he swings with. And she has to get the warts and all version. And she's saying, you know, you fart in front of me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> but that is the true intimacy. That's actually the best version of him because he's been completely himself. There's no artifice. Yes, but she doesn't want artifice. She wants effort. And we all want effort in different ways. So effort for some people could be like, don't fucking fart around me. I don't feel that way because people in glass houses. (laughs) 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 But it's whatever it is. Um, I have never, never seen someone represent the world of swinging that made me want to swing. We've got a friend who, when she moved to London, lived in a room in a house belonging to a couple and and one day she went into the garage to get something and she found a framed photo. You know, this twee framed photo that has memories engraved on it. Yeah. And it was a photograph of the wife, who I think it was a mature lady, s- surrounded by an array of jizzing cocks. What? Yes. And, and she always wondered if that was left there to groom her. I don't think swingers are drawn to me. Because th- this couple talked about passing notes. Uh, to to women they're interested oh, in inviting into their my marriage. my God. Passing me a note? But your self-esteem is so low that you're very easily flattered, would no, you? No, not by fucking gross people. <laughs> Give me, like, some very good creative output and be a little bit mean to me, and then I am sold on you. I never want to see swingers or throuples on television without them all being in shot so that I can closely monitor the facial reactions <laughs> of the ones who aren't talking. <laughs> I love how there's always one who's like a little bit sad. I know. You never see a thruple and all three look like they're really killing it. Oh, wait, can I say just one more thing? So one of the other couples in it are Sin and Yaya, and they've been together like 18 years and they've got a couple kids. And one of them is just like, she, she blatantly says to her partner, like, I don't find you attractive anymore. And her wife is like upset, but not upset at the level 
you would sort of expect. And so they're sort of dealing with the way she has a muted response and all that. And so um, it reminded me, and I just want all the couples out there to listen into this. I loved it so much. I heard this in an Esther Perel podcast. Caretaking is an anti-aphrodisiac. Try telling that to those men who like to dress up in nappies. Fair point. But that's like, that's the whole, that's their own perversion. What if I just did a podcast where all I did week by week, I would pick a kink and all I would do on that episode is shame that kink that week. You kink shame. Yeah. We're not going to act like that you are anything other than broken that you want to wear a diaper and be urinated on. I don't think you're bad. And it may be bringing you pleasure. But oh, you, of but, course. But you, you, you're saying what's ever at the root of it probably isn't great. Yeah. That's true of a lot of things. What if like, wait, what if the thing is that people would write into, oh my God, I've got my, I've got my solo po- podcast format. I have it. I have it. I have it. Okay. People write into me with their kink and then I get to guess about things from your childhood. So the format is, it's like, what's my line where they have to guess what someone's job is. Yeah. But it's what's my deal. Yeah. Where you have to guess what someone's issue what is. What is the deal with this guy? And then I'll, I get I get like five minutes of conversation. And, and, and you have to identify their attachment style. My attachment style is anxious. Is it really? Mm-hmm. What's mine? I don't know. You'd have to do the test. I probably don't have an attachment style. Everyone has one. Is mine like, leave me alone, but also I need you? <laughs> Sounds about right. Is there a, any therapist out there, but not my mom? Is there a leave me alone, but also I need you? That's my style. And Jeff is be with me constantly, but I'll resent you slightly. <laughs> anyway, so that's one of the great couples. I keep trying to convince Jeff that we could spread this conversation out a little bit. But my husband feels strongly that we're just going to basically tell you to watch couples therapy because it it is fucking incredible. And when eventually season four comes, well, that's probably like close to a year away. Maybe then we'll do like a... Episode by episode. Something approaching episode by episode and we really will dig deep. If you've watched couples therapy and you think there's a, if you like this, you'll love this. Then tell us about it. Oh, wow. All I ever want, really, is either a show which scratches that itch mm-hmm. of getting to psychoanalyze people. Yeah. Or something that will make me laugh. I mean, we talk about all those other shows, but if I, if I, if I could if you had to just boil have it those down. two things, that's all I want, really. That's why you like Succession so much, a bit mm, of both. Yeah. I just want people writing into us. I want everyone to watch Couples Therapy. If our inbox... Could, could just turn into constant new Patreon members, but also about what you're thinking about couples therapy. I would love that because if you guys get into it enough and you write us with your feelings about the couples on couples therapy, it'll really convince Jeff to really, really pay some attention to it in season four. So write and tell us who you like and who seems like a villain or who you think we're getting wrong. The email address? Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next, he was so gracious to take the time to talk to us. What an interesting guy. And the show is interesting and, and important. As, as the email we read out from Adam Bowie the other week mentioned, it's the first US network show with entirely Indigenous writers and directors, which is very surprising. Yeah. And it has a touch of the magical realism to it in parts. Now, you yourself have become interested in ghosts recently. All I want to know is that ghosts are real. I've got like friends who are believers, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me when I found out that these ladies believed in ghosts. But but you're very easily influenced. Well, I 
I am. But on this occasion, I was like, you're crazy. I thought you were normal. But like, congratulations. And I'm sort of jealous because I want to believe in ghosts. And then like twice in a week, which felt spooky scary. I heard these two stories, both from young people, (laughs) about like proof that ghosts exist. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. And Because I heard those stories also. And to me, it was proof that you can get a through draft in a house if you leave doors open. I don't know. I feel like this guy really saw like a floating <laughs> cleaning product and it did seem spooky. Anyway, I just really want to believe that ghosts are real. Then we can believe there's an afterlife. So because of that component, I'd be interested to know what's, what Sterling himself believes. And I'm such a hypocrite. Because if I hear any of these friends that you just alluded to talking about ghosts, I think, what an idiot. But if I hear somebody from a native community talking about it, I'm very respectful of those beliefs in that culture. What double standards. I know. So coming up next, creator of Reservation Dogs, it's Sterling Harjo. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I never grew up around old people. God, if someone gets over the age of like 65, I don't know what to do. But yeah, I can tell that you're like adept with people of all ages. Oh, yeah. I can talk to all of them. Children, old people. Yeah. Um, Well, listen, I just, you know, to to butter you up a little bit, but it's very sincere. So we started doing this podcast about TV and all these people started writing into us being like, you guys got to do reservation dogs. Get into reservation dogs. You got to do it. And we're like, all right, I guess we've got to do reservation dogs. So it is it's a treat to have you with us today. So thank you. you. Yes, but we do have a bone to pick with you. Oh, yeah. We're also angry with you. We're really angry with you because we're Johnny come lately's to this show. Right. And then I read that at the end of the series, the season that is airing in the States at the moment you're pulling the proof right. that is it the story is over why weren't you thinking of us when you made that decision right yeah i mean you know it's first of all you're not the only people that have said that i get to hear it a lot it feels so good to have people saying that though you know because yeah. like but the other and the other option is the opposite of that which is man you're doing this still going like and that's what i could never handle because for me this show is really important it's not just an important TV show. It's like an important cultural sort of event for Native people. And it's also so personal to me. Like literally every episode is parts of my life. So I can't imagine someone coming to me and saying, yeah, this is kind of dragging on. I think you should probably end it. 
Um, like I would want to fight them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and all, you know, I mean, all my favorite shows, speaking of London, like ends quick, you know, whether it's Fleabag, but like the English office had such an influence on me. Like, I don't think a show had more of an influence on me than the English office. When did you get into it? I think it was around 2009 or something like that. You know, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Back there. Sorry, I'm getting a hot tub delivered today. Oh, very nice. Um, oh, my God. Live the, that life, Sterling. Just rest. live it. Oh, how how long good. before it's plumbed in? <laughs> uh, today. So you, you'll be, be in the tub this evening? No, no, no. It's too hot here. It's like 106 degrees in oh Oklahoma. God. Right oh, God. Um, but yeah, like, like I was saying, 2009, I was watching The English Office, and I probably watch it twice a year since. I just remember watching it with my cousin and like, we could not stop laughing because I like in our <laughs> culture, teasing and things are, are really uh, big, especially m me and my family, how we grew up. Like we, like my cousin and I, this is why we could not quit watching and laughing at the English office. One of our favorite things is when someone goes out on a limb, like really goes out on a limb and they just fail. Um, and I think that that's sort of the essence of the English office, you know, like, uh, David Britt is kind of always acting like he's important in this comedian, you know, but like is always failing and everything. You know, it's interesting to me as well because I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't watching Reservation Dogs thinking about, you know, the influence of the British Office, but yes. one of the, but like, so now I'm hearing you say that, and one of the things that I loved about it so much was the dialogue between these teenagers felt so real, right? And you're not a teenager. I think, you're man. Both, I think you're both 79. Oh, what a, what a vintage yeah. year for, for the world right. globally. Um, right. And how I was sort of curious how you, it was, that, was that about assembling the right writers around you? Like, I can barely talk to our teenage babysitter, like babysits our son. Right. How did you get into those rhythms so well? It's just, that's kind of like how people talk in our communities. You know, I you're surrounded by family and cousins and nephews and nieces and daughters and sons and... Um, I don't know. I just, you know, one of the things that I did is I have a comedy group called the 1491s uh, group of guys and I started it. And because there was no native humor on television or movies. So we started doing this sketch comedy thing for free on YouTube and putting it out. And it got popular, especially within like native, like Indian country and like had a big following. And so we would go to reservations and travel and perform and we started a live show. And through that, talked to a lot of young people and kind of had this new, this sort of like pan-native dialect that had spread through the internet and whatever, you know? And that's kind of where it all, I think, how we, how I was familiar with that language. But also, you know, the actors bring that to it as well. Like, Willie Jack, for instance, has her own way of talking, you know? And, and I, I'll give her a line and, I, and it's not sounding quite right. And I'll just say, hey, just say it like you would say. And then she'll throw her spin on it. And it's brilliant, you know? So... It sort of demystifies acting in a way. Yeah. <laughs> All these people who go to RADA and, and... Do you, have you watched much, do you know This Is England or Shane Meadows or any of that, that stuff? I've, I've not seen it, but I know. Oh, you're going to, you, you, you will really love it. If you're looking for a movie to watch, the original This Is England set on right. a working class council estate in the 80s. And it has what Reservation Dogs has in in that they feel like real people and the friendships and that's cool. It, it feels you, know, you know, you know, Ian Morris, the yes. um, in between. He, he was actually a consultant on the show, brought him in and he he helped with the scripts as far as like I would throw a lot of my ideas and scripts at him 
just to kind of get someone that wasn't from my community to, cause all the writers were native, but so Ian would come in and we jokingly called him our white man and he would come into the room and we would talk ideas out through him and just see how it felt bouncing it off someone that w- was really far removed from where I'm from, you know? I'd not noticed that in the credits, but it makes sense because the in-betweeners, that, right. that authenticity exactly. of right. teenage relationships, it's, it's, it's so right. hard to capture. I was trying to avoid the kids going to school really ever, but, you know, I would kind of think of the in-betweeners and be like, okay, I can at least handle a scene at school, you know, it'll be okay, you know? When you were a kid, did you have like a lot of hustle to you the way that that the kids do in the show? Yeah, I mean, very much grew up like that. Like, we didn't have a lot to do in my town. It was a little town of like 4,000 people, 5,000 people. So we didn't have anything to do but walk around. And like, we were always just like walking around and getting into trouble. And and just like you have to create your own world and fantasy and, 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 and fun. And that's what we did. And that, so it's very much sort of based on that. I mean, like, you know, the character stealing meat out of the um, grocery store in the in the pilot. Like, literally, we did that. You know, we would steal meat and go have, like, a cookout. And I remember one time, we stole a bunch of meat from this uh, store. And we went to my friend's house. And, you know, we were going to really do a giant cookout and have a party. And um, we put it in marinade, the meat. And we were going to cook it the next day. Well, my friend forgot to put it in the refrigerator at his house that night. And so we came back the next day and grilled and like everyone got sick. um, Like we all got food poisoning and it was like karma, instant karma, you know. (laughs) And and are you this big stand-up fan? Because uh, I've noticed stand-ups keep cropping up in the show, Bill Burr. Um, yeah, there's, Mark Maron. Yeah, Mark Maron's in it. Uh, Yeah, I'm a big stand-up fan. I mean, it's like, I think it's one of my favorite things you know i watch it and i've had to do it i've had to get better at it you know and then it's really helped me as far as speaking like to do a key keynote speech or something like but yeah i'm just a big fan i love comedy why do they make such good actors is always so interesting to me like bilber's acting is so good yeah. i think part of it has to be that you know like no matter what you're going through that day, when you go on stage, you have to have confidence and you have to believe in what you're saying or the audience will feel that. And you also have to adjust to an audience. I just think those things are great tools for acting. Well, I don't seem to have them as based on the last few self-tapes I've had to do. (laughs) You can attest for the fact nothing is worse than what I've had to do a self-tape for something. Jesus Christ, we don't all have the gift, I'll tell you that much. Wow. Imagine imagine being Sterling on the other end of these things, though. I mean, it's something you have to do, so it's not my favorite thing. How good are you at closing it down when people ask if they can be in the show? I mean, it's pretty tough because I got my whole family's, in, and I got a large family, so cousins and everyone want to be in it. Like, you'll see, like, uh, the finale probably has, like, half of my family uh, in it. Uh, uh. Well, so, yeah, I'm not very good at shutting that down. So what's what's your technique then? Do you blame it on somebody else? Oh, I've, I've got to clear it. Was- oh, yeah. You always blame it on someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, what percentage, like when people are sort of asking for those favors, it's like, put me in, put me in. How many people are kind of good at being on camera versus how many are terrible at it? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, like if I put them in something and they're terrible, I don't highlight that. Yeah, them, yeah. You know? But I can have a conversation with someone and know if they can act or not, I think. Oh, my God. What are the tells? It's just a, it's weird. It's a feeling. I don't know what it is. The eyes and like the, a feeling in the way they talk for me. And 
I can kind of get a performance out of anyone, I think, but like, I can really tell if I'm just having a conversation with someone like, oh, they would be a good actor. You know, I'm usually right about that. I've always worked with uh, untrained actors, you know. Right. I'm wondering if, if one of us strikes you as more of an actor than the other. Well, I'm going to go with Sarah because she said that she self-tapes. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't yeah. Know. He, does, he doesn't have the gift with the script. I don't know, though. I mean, there's so many great British actors, you know, so. I think the accent's doing a lot of the work sometimes, though. Probably, yeah. The um, the two rapping brothers that feature in the show, right. can you talk a little bit about how you found them? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't thinking of them for that role because it was two younger kids, like twins. But I'd known them forever because, like, uh, they are just like a staple in native country, you know, like at all the events, they're always there, they're performing or they're selling CDs, they have a booth. And then they were on America's Got Talent. Oh my! And gosh. I think won the first round, but they were more sort of what we call Indian famous, which means like within our circle, very well known. And can I ask you about that? Um, because the impact in the community has has been phenomenal and i'm sure that when you were making the the show you knew it was important and it wasn't something you saw uh watching tv when you were a kid you didn't see your community represented were you ready for the reaction i wasn't in a lot of ways i mean it was shocking um i don't think you're ever ready i was scared you know i was very scared because i didn't want to disappoint like i made this show for native people like i'm glad everyone else likes it but i made it first for my community and if they didn't like it, then I, then I really fucked up, you know, like, so I was very nervous about that reaction. It was a lot of pressure. I mean, like, it's already a lot of pressure to be a showrunner of a TV show. And then you throw on like the cultural significance oh and like that you really want everyone, your family, your ancestors, your everything to like be proud of this thing. And like, you want to like, you want to do something that like makes them proud and also like helps us move into the future helps us be seen more helps our young people feel seen you know like all of this stuff it was a lot of weight on the show for me personally um hold on i'm sorry i got some people working up top. oh cool for the uh yeah. locks that are strapped down yeah say hi we're on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> what a life what a life all right i'll be in touch thanks right. man thanks Karen. i just really enjoy the hot tub delivery okay, cool. uh, what's, yeah. what's that guitar there in the background one of my writers, Erica Tremblay, uh, her partner makes guitars, and this was a gift that she gave me. Nice. Uh, after season two, I mean, I'm sort of a disgruntled musician, I guess. You know, like um, one of the highlights of the show is picking music. You know, so 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 you've been in bands. No, uh, I was in one band, I think, for like a, a month. <laughs> I never was in a band though. I was like, I just kind of play, you know, like I play guitar and just fuck around. Um. In terms of your sort of collaboration with Taika Waititi, like, do you feel this man has a time machine? Like, he is so involved in so many things. Uh, yeah, How does I mean, he like, do it. He's he does a lot, um, but like, it doesn't mean he has to. He's not like writing the show with me. You know, he opened the door. Right, 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 get, right. Okay, read the opportunity, and then I see him at you know the Critics' Choice Awards every year. So, but he is my friend, and so you know, like, whenever I thought about this being the end of the the show. I called him and we talked about it, but it's not like a day-to-day job that he's working on. So, and what was the genesis of the friendship? Uh, film festivals. We were kind of a part of this like like indigenous film group people that were making films and traveling, uh, showing films together at the time, and we just became friends. And I kind of watched him explode into this superstar, and 
I never tried to work with him because he had enough people trying to get stuff from him. So I was just his friend, you know. But then he approached me once he mentioned it to me one time asking if I had anything because he had a uh, overall deal at FX. And so I was hanging out with him at his house and just we just came up with it. it was I, I took two stories like we used to read each other's scripts. And so there were two scripts that were kind of similar. We used to always laugh about like the fact that we always had similar scripts. One time I was talking to a friend and I was like, talking about the script that I was writing about a native kid in rural Oklahoma who was obsessed with Michael Jackson and like permed his hair and like wore the zipper coat and all of that and the glove. And that's based on me. And then my friend was like, have you read Taika's script, new script? I was like, <laughs> what you mean? He's like, uh, boy. And I'm like, no, it's literally that, yeah. you know? Um, and so we had two script ideas that we combined into one and that's where Reservation Dogs came. And then we came up with the rest of it that night, you know, just kind of spitballing from those two scripts. Can you moonwalk? Uh, definitely not. There was a time that I thought I could, but I definitely couldn't then either. Here we go. Uh, in production, you have Res Ball and Yellow Bird. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Res Ball, Sydney Freeland directed. I co-wrote. That's already done. And then Yellow Bird is something that has been in development. Yeah. So, but there's other stuff. I have a show with FX that I think I want to do after this and a couple of feature films. Wow, so so you're not taking the uh, the foot off the gas then? No, not oh, at all. Um, I just got to pivot and do other stuff. But you've you got know, to enjoy that hot tub. Oh, I'm going to. How, how many uh, how many does it seat? The writer strikes happening, course, you know. So yes. I'm not writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an act of protest to be in that hot tub. Exactly. <laughs> how, how many people yeah. does it seat? <laughs> Way too many. I didn't know it was going to be this big. What, so, what's your policy uh, going to be with uh, on on um, swimwear? Come clothed. Okay. Uh, full body full body <laughs> full body coverage full well, body so. coverage yeah that's very fair um what shows do you think we should be watching i don't know okay. i don't watch shows the last show i was into was succession and you've obviously already yeah we see, we've seen that yeah it's good you know yeah um, so what do you, if you i don't get a lot, a lot of time to watch tv do you are you do you wind down yeah but um usually like that usually involves like Watching comedy or like stand up or you know okay. smoking weed. Okay, smoking but so, weed, so you're smoking weed. Edible, okay, weedy reading book or something. Okay, hold know? on. So I'm setting the stage for you. Yeah. It's an evening yeah. where you're not you're not racing. There's not a meeting. You don't have to watch a right. cut. Of set. you're just you're chilling out. Right. What comedy are you watching? Usually, I'm watching TikTok videos about aliens. Like that's usually what I'm doing. Oh my God. Are there aliens um, out there? I'm I'm for asking sure. for sure there are aliens out well, there. Shit. Not not denying it. And then or I will watch whatever stand up has come out, you know. So what was the last uh, stand up special that you watched? Maybe Tom Segura's, which was great. There's been a couple that I won't mention that I turned off. So And then then I watch movies too. I usually will watch old movies. So give- like like The Long Goodbye as something that I've recently like rewatched like three or four times. The Robert Altman film. Um and it's funny and it's serious and it's violent and it's amazing. Like I love that. You know, so I'll 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 usually like go into my blu-rays and watch a movie oh so you're still on the discs yeah i mean i'm part-time <laughs> you know i'm part-time i have a lot so so i'll i'll, I'll pull them out every now and then nice. you know do you yeah. um do you believe in ghosts for sure i want to believe in ghosts so bad i feel that right. i could just have a happier life if i believed in ghosts and i've never even considered it was possible but isn't the world strange like look at like look at what we're doing what we're doing right now isn't that more strange than like we die and like remnants of us are still around like, and then like what can like what can happen with the remnants i mean i think we're like multi-dimensional and i think that like our knowledge of what is 
beyond what we see is so small. Just like read about trees and how they exist and and live like for a day. And it's amazing. And like, we don't know that much about them and they know nothing about us. Yeah, I think of like ants and it's like... (sighs) have no idea what's happening. They, all they know is they're working and all of a sudden someone destroys their whole community because we're just what we are. An ant is just an ant. Like it's nothing else. It's nothing more. We know nothing past what we know. So one day, I think, whatever that may be, something is going to show us like, wow, we didn't know anything. Yeah. You know? Okay, listen, no bad ideas in brainstorming. Also, unsolicited advice. The next time yeah. you're with your comedy gang and they make you get up on stage, you get high and you do a whole speech about <laughs> ants and trees and people will lose their mind. <laughs> and it's like, it becomes a thing where it's like, Sterling is going to do ants and trees. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's going to do ants right. and trees tonight. It's right. ants and trees. I'll do it. Sterling Harjo. He's in that hot tub by now, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, I wonder how much time he'll regularly spend in a hot tub. And do, do you know what? It was a rare occasion where you hear of somebody getting a hot tub and you didn't think it was because he was trying to get something sexual going on in there. No, it did not feel no. like a sexual hot tub. No, I hope he remembers to change the water every now and again. He seems like a clean guy. He, he seems very clean. Uh, he, he, he seems very clean and we wouldn't want to lose him to Legionnaire's disease. No, I don't even know what that is. But Stagnant water. You've got to be careful. Oh, my brother had to keep me out of stagnant water this week. I was like, it looks so pretty there. Like, not stagnant water. Can you imagine? I would not have coped well. (laughs) Well, for somebody who's professing an interest in a bit of magical realism, you've sucked all the magic out of this next item because no longer are we going to pay a visit to Mr. Inbox. All I needed was one email. It's like, Sarah, please, I love Mr. Inbox. And I would have kept it. No one one gave a shit about Mr. Inbox saying it. I think mostly people were relieved. People are glad he's dead. Yeah, but we have like nice people. So they're not going to be, I'm glad you killed Mr. Inbox. But anyway. Okay, so this first one is from Sarah. She writes... Hi, Jeff and Sarah. After hearing Sarah say she loved musicals this week, I wondered if she'd watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. If you ignore the terrible title, it's a really clever and underrated comedy about relationships and mental health with amazing parodies of show tunes and pop songs. I don't actually like musicals, so I think a lot of the references were lost on me, so a musical lover may like it even more. Love, Sarah. Kiss, kiss. Now, we tried Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And my memory is... We thought when it was funny, it was really funny. Yes, and I think we sort of generally, we hated the title. We we liked her? She's a, Rachel, what's her last name? I don't remember her last name, but she is amazing. She's one of these people, like, she's genuinely funny on Instagram. I don't even know how she does it, but she's so great. Um... And we didn't feel it was enough. We, we, what did we, what did we think, honey? What did we think? I think it might have had hugs in it which we don't do well with in comedy you know the Seinfeld motto no hugs no lessons yeah and um I I think think there might have been a bit of sentiment I can manage that stuff in small doses but I think there there was just something this is a phrase that I've heard someone else use and I really enjoy it there wasn't enough stink on it for me right yeah but Sarah thank you and I will reconsider I do think it is it is just sort of a good TV show. It just didn't quite click for us. Thank you, we love you, don't hate me. This is from Claire, who says, Dear FC and NC, okay, I've got a trope that I know winds every parent up. When a parent on screen has to urgently talk to another character, but at the same time they're with the kids, the on-screen parent will say to their child, Hey, buddy, should we take a break now? 
want to go get some ice cream from the kitchen. The kids then skip off happily and they don't return so that whatever piece of dialogue that needs to unfold can unfold. (laughs) This would never happen. No, it wouldn't. Real life would be child shouting from the other room, I can't find the ice cream in the freezer. Look in the bottom shelf. But do we have chocolate chip? No, sweetie. We finished that on movie night. I can't reach the bowls. Where's my favourite spoon? How much am I allowed to have? Oh, it looks funny. I don't want that flavour. Have we got chocolate chip? I feel that specifically in the the voice of the child, people are seeing some of what you do acting-wise. <laughs> like, I was just thinking, mean, like, why is this going on forever? Oh, because it's his acting. Do, it's do, his do, acting. do you want to show us how you would have done it then? If I Yeah, give it to me. I can't find the ice cream in the freezer. Look in the bottom shelf. But do we have chocolate chip? No, sweetie, we finished that on movie night. I can't reach the bowls. Where's my favorite spoon? How much am I allowed to have? It looks funny. I don't want that flavor. Haven't we got chocolate chip? Now, that's not good acting, but there was just a way that I got it done. That's the reason I'm the one who's doing a professional acting job tomorrow for the first time in my life at the age of 44. Claire writes in other news. Good grief, Mr. Inbetween is a masterpiece, right? Mm. But I was left angry. Not just angry it was over, but also angry that Scott Ryan has the audacity to write this tier of TV, the outrageous talent to act like that, to make three goddamn seasons, and then what? Like, fuck off into oblivion and never make anything again before or since. Unforgivable, frankly. Well, Claire, I don't know if you've done your Googlings, but um, Helen Mirren and her husband watched that show, and then she... um, wrote him a letter of recommendation to Hollywood. So you just just keep an eye. You think he's, we'll be he's got an more? in now, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I he's think got references. But I think he is a private dude. Mm. I don't oh, he is so interesting. He's gonna do something though. Something incredibly cool and perfect, right? Right. That's how it feels. Claire, you're right, girl. Love you, bitch. Okay, this next email is from Sally Jansen. Sally writes, Dear FC and NC, I skipped over Sarah's review of And Just Like That episode 10 because I'd been on holiday, got behind with the show, but not on your podcast. Thank you. And didn't want to hear any spoilers. Having now completed it, I am so relieved to discover that I'm not the only one who laughed at Aiden crying down the phone to Carrie. Thank you. What was the director thinking? Thank you. The thank yous are mine. Is that clear? Did they shoot different levels of distress for that scene? Smaller, bigger, bigger still. And decide that the ugly crying was the best? It really burst the suspension of belief bubble for me. There is usually a gazillion of these moments per episode where it's shitty, but you kind of feel like they know it's shitty. But I do not think this was the intention with the Aiden wailing scene. Do you know? Um, Rather than rewatch and just like that, I've started a Sex in the City complete rewatch. Once I've binged my way through that, what do you recommend next for those nights when my husband is working away? Oh my God, my target demo. And I've got the chance to watch my kind of telly. Okay, girl, happy to help. So first of all, I'd like to give you a high recommend of Girls Trip starring Queen Latifah, Regina King, Jada Pinkett Smith, and um, Tiffany Haddish. That is like one of the great underseen comedic films. I know I'm giving you films, not TV shows, but you're going to take what the fuck I'm giving you right now. I really recommend the Magic Mike Double XL. F- oh, sorry, it's the Magic Mike franchise for you. Okay. Number one doesn't start strong, but two and three excel. <laughs> um, and then you can do Sisters starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And then 
Point Break, starring Patrick Swayze at IP but Forever. These, are, these are all films. She wants a show that she can go to every night. Oh, nothing. Like a... you, there are no shows. Um, Hollywood Medium, with that boy named Tyler, is <laughs> fucking the craziest shit you'll ever see. I do an amazing impression of him. Can we hear it? I need, it's a prop. It's prop comedy. I need a pencil. I need a pad. I need to do a whole thing. So I'm just going um... <laughs> to... It's so good. I just sometimes I just um, as long as if you're comfortable, I just do some scribbles just sort of see just sort of it's about opening up and allowing people. <laughs> Jeff, it is fucking killer. I, I knew it, that I had it. It just sounds like was, your voice. No, but the it, like the physical impression was like amazing. I don't want to do anymore. You don't appreciate it. No one will. You know, they can't see you. But I thought that I was like so committed to what I was doing that like they felt my action. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen. If you're in a niche demographic of people who listen to this podcast and are obsessed with Tyler Hollywood Medium, if you join our Patreon, <laughs> five pounders and ten pounders only, if you message me that you want a video of me doing it, I'm going to make that happen for you, okay? You have to pay me five pounds for the rest of your life. Bye-bye. Oh, and very quickly to finish up, this is in response to the email we had the other week. Arabella likes to watch with her children, the youngest is 11, Glow Up, Young Sheldon, Brooklyn 99, The Deepest Breath, The Good Place, Stranger Things, Ted Lasso, and Miss Marple, the old BBC ones. Great. Here we are doing a service again for people. Our email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. This week, Sarah liked to watch. You're so not invited to my bar mitzvah. I can tell from your face you're annoyed at the way I say the title of that film and you want to say it yourself. You're so not invited to my bar mitzvah. Which is on Netflix. I like to watch, or at least I was intrigued by and will watch more of For All Mankind on Apple TV+. And we like to watch Couples Therapy on Showtime and BBC iPlayer. And Sterling Harjo liked to watch Succession. I think he said it was cool. Seems like he did enjoy that show. Uh, On uh, HBO and Sky and Now TV. Tom Segura's latest stand up special, which is called Sledgehammer. Sledge! Which you can find on Netflix. Where? Well, well, well. It now, this episode feels to me like the last summer episode. The dog days of summer. The dog days, dog days of summer. Anyway, when we talk to you next week, just a little bit more autumn will be in the air. What kind of seasonal dresser are you? My husband looks the best in his autumn wear. He loves a mustard. He loves a burgundy. What do you love? Are you going to slip into something more comfortable now that it's autumn? I hope you do. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.